In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated where you are there, please. I was watching a, a YouTube video a few days ago. Uh, I like to watch Special Forces videos. So I'm watching this Special Forces video, and it's a C-17. They're those, not the biggest transport plane, but they're a big transport plane. And the back door opens like this, and the, you know, just opens up so they can drive tanks and stuff in there. And these Special Forces guys, one after another, are just running, and out they go. I just think, oh, man. I'm sure glad the Lord didn't make me do that. I mean, I can't even imagine. I'd have to probably get in the front of the plane and run as hard as I could and just not stop. And then you're just out there like that. It's a little bit like there's a hang gliding place above Dayton, Wyoming. I don't know if you've ever driven up into the Bighorn Mountains from Dayton. There's a road that goes up, and then there's this kind of wide spot in the road, kind of a lookout place. And when the circumstances are right, guys will stand. We were coming home from church camp one time, and we stopped there, and there were probably four or five hang gliders all set up. And so I stopped, and this guy just starts running, <laughs> running for the edge of that cliff. <laughs> and when he, he, he went out, and then he started going like this, and my stomach just sank. He started going like this, and then the wind caught him, and he went on ahead. That's not for me. Sometimes life feels like that, doesn't it? There may be moments in your life, maybe somebody's in a time like that right now in your life. Maybe the school's starting, you're entering a new grade. You know, I know you're, you're going to high school this year. That's got to be a little different than what you've experienced before. Maybe a new job, or maybe you just got fired from your job. You're facing something in your life, and you don't know what the future is like. It's just like, it's out there, I know, but I don't know what it is. It's like, there's nothing there for me to look forward to. Maybe a wedding day. Maybe somebody's got let out of jail. It's one of the most crucial times in a person's life when they just get out of jail. They've been taken care of, they've been secure, and now all of a sudden there's nothing. So you, those of you who attend here all the time or watch online, know that we're in the midst of a series right now about Old Testament characters because people are biblically illiterate, basically, in our, in our culture now. We're going through the Old Testament, one Bible character at a time. We're not getting them all. We're catching the ma major Bible characters in the Old Testament. And we want you to learn about them, but we also want you to kind of learn the order that they come in so, so that we can uh, get them in the pro appropriate context. So this morning I want to talk about Abraham. We're going to talk about Abraham for three weeks because he was so significant and there's so, so much written about him. And uh, I'm going to read in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And so you can just uh, listen there. The Lord had said to Abram, he hasn't changed his name yet. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, <clears throat> leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Notice how he said that. Go to the land I will show you. He doesn't tell him where to go. He says, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, 
I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'm going to sneeze in a minute. Better cover that up just in case. In a way, hope, 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 hope. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's quite a statement. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, this is approximately 2,000 years before Christ. And, of course, Jesus was the fulfillment of that uh, word given to, to Abraham, ultimately. So on your outline there, fill in the blanks. Number one, learning to trust God for direction. Now, we've all faced times in our life where we don't know what's next. I, uh, I worked in a grocery store till I was 25. Then I started college. And for five years, I went to college. And, and all the time I'm in college, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get a great job. It's going to be a, a new day. You know, uh, I can leave the grocery business. And not that that's bad. It's just that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And so I was expectant for five years. Then as, as graduation got closer and closer, I got to thinking, well, what am, what am I going to do? So when I graduated, I, I applied for a job at the Washington County Courthouse in Hillsborough, Oregon. There was a position uh, offered where a judge was hiring a social worker to interview candidates for release in prison or in jail. And come to find out, I had lunch with him and the, and the court administrator. The court administrator wanted, me, wanted to give me the job, but the decision was up to the judge, and I found out later that the judge had, had a relative that he wanted to have the job, so he gave it to him. And I, I can't tell you, but I know you've had the same feeling at times when it's like, I really don't know what's next. And it brings anxiety to us. Can you imagine Abraham? God says, I want you to go to the country that I will show you. Now think about that. God says to you, okay, Rick, I'm going to take you to a new place. I want you to go there. What are you going to say? <laughs> Where do you want me to go? And basically the Lord said to Abraham, says, just go. I'll tell you when you get there. Man, I don't like that. That's, that's uncomfortable. That's like jumping out of that C-17. But here's how I like it. Let's suppose I'm here. Hello. I'm here, and God wants me to go. I'm going to slap you, Tim. <laughs> he wants me to go here. When do, when do you want to know where you're going? I want to know it right here. God said, I just want you to go, and I'll tell you when you get there. So you walk, and you walk, and you walk, and you don't know where you're going. And then God finally says, okay, this is where I wanted you to be. Man, I don't like that. It's uncomfortable. And it requires trust. And that's really the point. When you think about Abraham, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? is faith. He's the father of faith. Now, God promised Abraham a lot of things. He didn't tell him where he was going, but he promised him a lot of things when he got there. I will make you a great nation. 
You got to think about the fact that Abram's 90 or is 75 years old. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. All the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So he didn't tell him he was going, but he said, when you get there, this is what I'm going to do in your life, which is obviously had to be an encouraging thing. So we can all identify with Abraham in some small way, stepping into the unknown. I've told many times about when Ginger and I left Oregon. We'd both been raised there, and, and our family was there. Our church was there. It's all we'd ever known. It's the only place I'd ever lived all of my life was in Oregon. And God said, go to Montana. And I know you don't think this way, but people on the West Coast think Montana is the end of the world. Somewhere out there in the Never Never Land, Alaska tundra or something. So I can identify in a small way, very small way, with Abram. Charles Stanley, you all know Charles Stanley. He's on the radio for 50 years or something. He says, obey God and leave the consequences to him. That's kind of the mantra of his life. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. What does that require? Trust. Trust. There's an old hymn. Some of you remember. It says, where he leads me, I will follow. Now let me just ask you a question. Is that true of you? Where he leads me, I will follow. Whatever he asks me to do, wherever he asks me to go, that's what I'm going to do. Obey and leave the consequences to him. There's risk in that. There's risk in the unknown. Now, after Abram arrived, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. So altars are interesting to me. It's, it's when we, it's in the Old Testament, it was when they would take an animal, they'd, they'd build this altar and they'd slay an animal and put its blood on the altar and they would worship the Lord. Notice that it says after he got there, he stopped, built an altar, and worshiped the Lord. Altars are a little bit like uh, monuments in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were several times when the Lord said, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to put a pile of rocks right there, 12 stones right there. So they'd build this little monument out of 12 stones. When they crossed the Jordan, that was one of those times. So obviously it was a risky time when they crossed the Jordan. God didn't just say, well, I'm going to part the water and you can walk through. He said, go to the water and put your foot in the water. In other words, you start moving, and I will separate the water. Uh, that would kind of light your fire a little bit. On the other side, God said, put, a, put 12 stones there, build a little monument. Why would he do that? Well, it's not only so you can remember, but someday you and your kids are going to be walking down the river, down by the river, and your son or your daughter is going to say, what are those rocks doing right there? And that's when you get to say, you know, sit down, let me tell you about this. Amazing thing happened right here. I hope you have some altars. I hope you have some monuments in your life 
that were so significant that you remember them so clearly you could describe them to anybody else at certain times. I've shared some of those monuments in my life. Pammy Todd was at the times Pammy Bavolda now. She was a school teacher, junior high school teacher, and I asked her to lead the kids' ministry at Faith Chapel. This has been, this has been 40 years ago. And she said no. Well, I thought I, I thought I heard the Lord that she was supposed to be the kids' pastor. She said no. So I had somebody else take it as a, as a temporary position, and then I think probably two or three years later, I'd ask her again. And she told me, she said, you know, it's so amazing that you'd say this, but she said, yesterday when I was in my devotion times, the Lord said to me, if Stan asked you to be the kids' pastor again, say yes. Second time I asked her. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Remember that song? Yeah. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Well, there is another way, but there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So learning to trust for direction. Secondly, learning to trust God for protection. Oftentimes, when we have a great triumph, there's a great test that comes after that. For Abram, uh, the test was that as soon as he got into the promised land, then there was a famine. God says, go there, I will bless you, I'll take care of you. He built an altar as this great experience with the Lord. And now there's a famine. And you'll, you'll notice this when, when you read it later. It says, it says that Abram went down to Egypt. It's interesting to me that in the, in the Bible it always says go up to Jerusalem. It says go down to Egypt every time. And that's true spiritually. You go up to Jerusalem, but you go down to Egypt. That's a picture, a type of the world. So he goes down to Egypt, and you may remember that, uh, now remember, he's 75 years old. His wife is 65 years old. And just before they get into Egypt, Abram says to his wife, says, Sarah, I want you to tell them that you're my sister. Which was technically true. She was actually his half-sister. They had the same father, different mother. But instead of saying that you're my wife, I want you to tell them you're my sister. Why? Because they'll kill me for you. She's 65 years old. She must have been a looker. He says, so tell them, tell them you're my sister. Because Why? Because... He didn't want them to kill him, so he compromised his wife. When facing tests, the important question is not, how can I get out of this? The question is, what can I get out of this? When you face a test, don't, don't try and get out of it. You say, Lord, what are you, trying to, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? It's not how I get out of this, it's what I can get out of this. And then if you read on about Abram, a little, little, little while later, the same thing happened. He went down into Egypt. Apparently he didn't learn the first time because he wanted to give his wife away again. She wasn't compromised sexually, but she was placed in Pharaoh's harem. Have you ever ridden on a roller coaster? How many of you like to ride on a roller coaster? 
How many of you hate to ride on a roller coaster? I hate to ride on a roller coaster. I went to California one time and I was with this girl and she wanted to ride the roller coaster. I said, no, I'm not going to ride the roller coaster. Well, she shamed me into it. That's what girls do. She shamed me into it, so I got on the roller coaster. It was at the Pike in Pasadena. Not in Pasadena, in Long Beach. And uh, it was the highest and steepest roller coaster in the world at that time. Now they've got the ones that twist around and everything, but this was just high and steep, made out of wood. I don't want to get on that thing. So she shamed me into it, and I was terrified, and she was screaming for joy the whole time. And when we finished, she said, I want to go again. Well, what's a guy going to do? You know, she's challenging my masculinity. So I went again. Girls do that. Ginger's done that to me several times. Do you know what the London Eye is? The London Eye is a, it's a slow Ferris wheel. It's not where you're sitting in the open, you're in these big, you're in these big platforms about the size of this, this platform, only you're surrounded with glass. And it's 31 stories high. So take the Crown Plaza and have it again, and that's how high this Ferris wheel is. And so Ginger and her dumb friend Mary got on it, and they go around, and what it does is it goes around like this, very slowly. And then you come up around like this and come down this way. So she got on it, and when she got off, she shamed me into going on it. That's what women do. So I got on there. And so you're going, you're going this way at first. You're going back up this way. You can turn around and look this way, but who's, who wants to? So I turn my back on that, so I've got the workings of it in the here, and you start going up and you're getting higher and higher and higher, and pretty soon I started looking around and I looked across the Thames, and the, you, you remember what the British Parliament building looks like? It's magnificent, and Big Ben and all that. So you look over across the river and it's magnificent over there, and you kind of watch it, but then slowly, it never stops. Even when you get on, it doesn't stop. Really slow, 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 slow. So you're starting to get to the apex now. You're right here. What are you starting to think? Everything's going to disappear in front of you. There's nothing but air out there. And so you get up to the top and you start going down. And I think, oh, Lord, this is awful. So I went and sat down. Now, that's a, good, a lot of good that's going to do, right? I sat down, went around, and we finally finished. That's what women do. They shame into things. I'm a chicken. Now, Ginger has talked me into some things that have not been the best experiences, but she's also talked me out of some things that could have been a disaster. I'm driving down Grand Avenue with Ginger, and I said, I'm quitting. I've had it. I can't take this anymore. And she said, Stan, if you quit now, the devil will use this against you for the rest of your life. And the Lord just, it was just like a word of faith that rose up in me because I knew she was right. The Lord's protection. 
Notice Psalm 33, beginning in verse 20. We wait in hope. Hope isn't wishful thinking. It's confident expectation. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. When is trust required? When you don't feel like trusting. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And then Psalm 91, beginning in verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord. Listen to that. Because he loves me, or because she loves me, I will rescue him. I will rescue her. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. So do you trust the Lord for direction? You don't know where to go? And he just asks you just, well, I'll tell you when you get there. Do you trust him for protection to keep you safe? Gosh, why is, why is the room half full? Fear? You know, we, we, we're afraid of things at times. Now, there's a, there's a right kind of fear at times, too. You don't want to be wise. But we don't want to give in to fear. He'll protect us. And thirdly, learning to trust God for provision. And the question I want to ask here is, is your life about you or is your life about others? Now, again, Abram is the example You remember he brought his, his nephew, Lot, to the promised land with him. And uh, Abram shares everything with him. And so they've got multiplied flocks of sheep and herds of cattle. And they became so wealthy that the land wouldn't sustain them anymore. Now, most of you know what that's like on a ranch. Uh, a cow, it take, an acre will support so many cows. And so they've, they've gone beyond what the land will support. So Abram says, well, we're going to have to separate from one another. And the Bible says that Abram said, if, you, if I go this way, you can go that way. If you, if you go this way, I'll go that way. And he let Lot choose. Abram's the patriarch. I mean, he can do anything he wants to do. He said, Lot, you take the you take the crud over here, the dry grass, and I'll take the, I'll take the place that's flourishing. He didn't do that. He said, if you choose to go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you choose to the right, I'll go to the left. Well, Lot chose the land of the rich and famous. And he ended up in Sodom, in Gomorrah. Prosperous, prosperous place. Who did God bless? Obviously, he blessed Abraham. Lot ended up living his life for himself. Abram ended up living for others and living for the Lord. And so I've got this quote from Warren Wiersbe, a great commentator. He said, Lord, Lot had heart trouble. The problem with every problem is the problem of the heart. Lot's problem was a heart problem that he was greedy and he was selfish and he was looking out for himself and he wasn't looking out for anybody else. So, gosh, you got your wallet on you? Give it to me. Oh, man. It's got a Viking on there. That 
That's horrible. Rick, you got your wallet with you? You got your purse with you? You don't? Okay, you're no good to me then. I bet, I bet in the last 40 years, I've asked people to give me their wallet maybe 20 times. And nobody has ever refused me. That seems kind of crazy to me. Doesn't it to you? Well, why did Rick not refuse me? Because he trusts me. You stupid, you stupid guy. You got any money in here? Good answer. No, he's married. Well, the point is obvious. The reason that Victor gave me his wallet is because he trusts me. He knows I'm going to give it back. He knows I'm not going to rip him off. Well, then how can you live with an open hand with the Lord? Because you trust him. He says, give, and we give. Why? And I'm not just talking about money. It's time, you know, our efforts, our gifts, whatever. We give, and somebody would say, well, you know, Ben could say, you're going to give him your wallet? Why would he say that? Because he, he doesn't trust. Give him your wallet because you trust. And that's the reason we can live our life, not just for ourselves, but we can live our life for the Lord because we trust him. We can live with an open hand. You've heard me say a million times, you can live like this and hold on, me, me, myself, and I. I'm going well, to look out for me. Or you can live with an open hand. And when you live with an open hand, it, it gives an opportunity not only for you to give, Lord, whatever I have is yours, but it also gives you the opportunity to receive. Lord, you can fill my hands. We trust him for direction, for protection, and we trust him for provision. You can take care of yourself or you can let the Lord take care of you. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Lot didn't do that. You take the right, I'll take the left, Abram says. I'll, I'll, take, the, I'll take the good land. Matthew 6.33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Living a life of trust. When I was a junior high student, all through grade school, in fact, my parents weren't poor, but they, they didn't have much. And uh, I remember every school year when school would start, about this time of the year, Mom would send me down to the store, and I'd, I'd get to buy two pair of Levi's. I didn't wear Wranglers because the Cowboys wore Wranglers. Two pair of Levi's and three shirts and a pair of shoes. And that lasted you all year. Your shoes were worn out at the end of the year, tough. <laughs> they got holes in the bottom of them. But you know, I never worried about having enough. Never. I never worried whether my dad was going to feed me or just, just going to have enough. When we came here, I think I told you the story, in 1977, I went to speak at a revival meeting at, up on the, at Lame Deer. And uh, they paid me $35. We were as poor as church mice. 
$35, wow. Well, it cost me $25 for gas to drive up there, and I got stopped on the way home by a highway patrolman, and he took the other 10. <laughs> but you know, God provided for us. Listen to these words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in a barn. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So on the bottom of your outline, there's a, there's a statement in a blank space. And you might want to write in that blank space, Lord, I trust you too. If there's something going on in your life right now where trust is required, you might just fill in that blank. Lord, I trust you to minister to this person. Lord, I trust you to say and change this situation right down to what it is. Lord, you know, John was telling me before the service this morning about his neck. Lord, I trust you to give me wisdom about my neck. Whatever it would be, Lord, I trust you to do that. Lord, we do want to live in trust. Just as easily as Victor gave me his wallet this morning, and he didn't even hesitate. Lord, that's how we want to be with our life, that we would we'd trust you with everything that we have. I'd like to ask those who are going to serve as communion this morning, if you'd go ahead and pass the little, little cups, and those cups... Most of you know this, but some of you might not. Those cups have a little wafer on the top. So just go ahead and when you get your when you get your little cup, just Yeah, okay. Just uh, take just peel off that top part and it's got the bread on there. And it, this is not an easy task, that's why I'm explaining it to you. Sometimes the wafer breaks in half or comes out funny, but just take your wafer and your cup and hold that in your hand for just a minute. And I want to read you a passage of scripture just as we conclude our time this morning. Speaking of Jesus, this is a prophecy about Jesus 600 years before he was born. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Notice this, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I just want to ask you a question. Why? Why should you trust the Lord? How could you not trust someone who gave his life for you? How can you not trust someone who went to the cross and paid the price for you? When I was, I was working on this the other day, I, I, the word trust begins with a T, and that's a cross. Trust begins at the cross. We trust him because he loved us enough to give his life and pay for our sins. Our sins were taken and laid upon him. Secondly, 
when you were living in sin, God didn't say, I want you to shape up and be good enough, and then I'll love you. <coughs> he came into your life. He reached down in the midst of your sin and said, come follow me. You made a mess out of things. Let me show you how to straighten it out. That's why we trust the Lord. So Lord, this morning, we trust you for direction. Some here today are just wondering what in the world is coming my way. <coughs> they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the next step to take. Lord, would you help them before you show them, would you help them to trust you today? Because you gave your life and you've been so faithful to us, we trust you. Someone may feel at risk, maybe some crisis in their life and they feel vulnerable. Well, Lord, would you help them to trust you for protection? I know there are some here today who don't have enough. Maybe not enough money or enough food or whatever. But Lord, you'd said you love the birds of the air and you take care of them. They don't reap or store, or store away in barns, but your Heavenly Father feeds them, you said. Help people to know this morning how much more valuable they are than those birds. We trust you today. And we thank you for shedding your blood on the cross for our sins. We're thankful that you don't want us to pay because you paid the price. Let's eat the bread and drink the cup together. There's some little baskets at the end of each aisle to put your copy in. Let's, let's stand together and worship the Lord.